sporting news, reviews and previews. This is the Sports Desk. You're listening to the Sports Desk this Wednesday morning with your hosts, Lynn, Kendra and Luca. We've got an excellent show coming up. Uh, we'll be talking about upcoming athletes, sports stars from Australia. Uh, this week we've got Cameron Smith who took part in the Masters Golf Tournament over the weekend in Augusta. Uh, return of Weed and Wacky Sports and we'll be wrapping up the Formula One and MotoGP World Championships as well. But first off, uh, Kendra, Finn, how, how are you two going today? How was your weekend? Yeah, good. It was um, not much sport on because most sport has finished. But uh, yeah, apart from that, it was good. It was a interesting news out of swimming, out of the swimming world, with Shana Jack's ban being slashed. But how are you, Finn? Yeah, it's been a bit of a slow week for sports. There's no, there was no soccer, or there was internationals only, and there was. Of course, the Formula One and no basketball or anything. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a slow week, I'd say. Yeah, that's for sure. That's an understatement now. Slow week. Um, yeah, let's get stuck right into uh, swimming news with uh, Shayna Jack uh, having her band slashed and uh, she's eligibility to return to swimming in 2021. Exciting stuff, isn't it, Kendra? Yeah, it's exciting, but I just wonder how her comeback's going to be because her band sort of entailed her not being allowed to actually swim in pools. Obviously, she could do some training, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how she does go considering she has had such a massive time off from proper training with a club and racing, which is really important. But she does seem quite confident that she is returning to swimming and she will represent Australia. Yes, uh, Shana Jack, for those who don't know, uh, in 2019 she was uh, suspended by Asada for four years after returning uh, a positive sample to the banned drug Ligandrol at a training camp ahead of the World Championships last year. Um, so it's, I think it's a positive thing that the Court of Arbitration for Sport has now kind of maintained the 22-year-old's innocence. And she, she herself has maintained her innocence from the very get-go. So, um, yeah, she, she, in her words, she can walk a little taller, but... Do you think that maybe coming back to swimming, like some of her competitors, even though she has been cleared, they'll still see her as the drug chair? Like, do you think the sort of mud will stick and she'll never really shake that sort of, I guess, image? Look, I think um, I think it'll take time. I think it'll take time. The, the wounds haven't been that deep, let's say. But we'll, see, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, Michelle, what, what do you think, Kendra? Yeah, so she... I think she did the right thing by mate. Like obviously she was, says that she's maintained her innocence, but also she went on the SAS show that was on TV, which was a very, to prove that she does, she is an athlete and that she's not a cheat, which I think was a very good move for, I guess, her brand and public image. And I think that will definitely help her going back into swimming. But I still think there'll be some competitors that will still see her as the drug cheat. And I think she'll find it harder going into races having that sort of, I guess, competition where everyone is sort of against you. I know a lot of people support her, but we do know when it comes down to it that her competitors want to obviously beat her and they will be using any sort of tactic to put her off her game because she is a extremely talented swimmer and she's, you know, so close to Bronte 
Campbell and she's, yeah, very good swimmer, but hopefully she can maintain mental toughness and keep going as she was going before she was caught with the drugs. Uh, I'm just curious to just to find out if uh, she can still I mean, qualify for the Olympics. Is that still a possibility? Finn, what, do, what are your thoughts on that, seeing as the Olympics are next year? Well, it, when's, does her ban, it was reduced to two years, so 2021, it looks like. Um, but I'm not sure, honestly, because I feel like I'm not sure if they've been delayed or if they even happened already, the qualification qualifying for the olympics because obviously it was supposed to be this year but mm. i don't feel like she will be able to get qualification for the olympics maybe for the upcoming i'm not sure when the commonwealth games are i'm assuming it's a bit later on so i think that's probably going to be a first big competition yeah it's a it's a long road back but and also i don't think she'd be olympic like ready because mm. she hasn't been able to do any of the races and train with the competitors so I guess like you know she's lacking a lot of like she may have been able to maintain her fitness but it's that race ready I guess mindset that she would definitely be lacking. I don't think you'd want to be going to the Olympics coming off this so how many how many let's say how much preparation would one need like for Shana Jack to to be at that Olympic level like elite level I mean she might be at that level but obviously like the Campbell sisters would be the first two to qualify. Obviously, the qualifying has been different because of COVID, but she still is a little bit behind them. And you don't know what other swimmers have come up while she has been absent from the sport. So I think she will find it hard to qualify so soon for these Olympics. And I think, yeah, her next competition that she'd be looking at to qualify would probably be, yeah, the Commonwealth Games or the World Championships. Fascinating stuff. Fascinating. Uh, Well, we all wish her the best here at Sim and at Sports Desk. We, uh, we surely hope to see her back into the pools and, uh, yeah, winning again for Australia. All right, we're going to get to a song break now. Uh, sure to tune in back. We're going to be discussing uh, highlighting an Australian sports person under the age of 26 doing, doing their part, doing Australia proud on the world stage. Uh, before then, here's Ziggy Ramo with Chichi. You're listening to the Sports Desk this Wednesday morning with your hosts, Finn, Kendra, and Luca. You're on scene. You're listening to The Sports Desk this Wednesday morning. We just heard a song from Ziggy Ramo, GG. Uh, we're going to get stuck right into it uh, with our highlight of an Australian sports person, young Australian sports person, who's doing Australian Proud on the world stage. Uh, this week, Finn, Kendra, and Luca, we're all discussing... Uh, Cameron Smith, who was tied runner-up at this weekend's Masters tournament in Augusta. Golf, we're talking about, for those that don't know. Uh, team, we got uh, Cameron Smith. He's from the Gold Coast, just turned 27. Uh, and he, he is, he's done quite a phenomenal achievement uh, over the weekend at the Masters, hasn't he, guys? So, yeah, according to the Augusta Chronicle, uh, Cameron Smith has become the first golfer in the 84-year history of the Masters tournament to go all four rounds in in the 60s. And he ended up with a uh, score of under 15, 15 under. Uh, but he still he still came second to the eventual champion, Dustin Johnson. So that was the elite level that they were playing at over the weekend. Uh, 
for that. Yeah. Yeah, and it said that his um, ranking, he was in 44th and now he's at 27th after the Masters. So that's quite a big jump in the rankings, I guess, in golf. Yeah, and he wasn't even the number one Australian at the tournament. Uh, I think Adam Scott, who won the Masters in 2013, he he started off pretty well too. But I think Cameron Smith kind of shone brightly at the tournament. Yeah, and I saw here that he's only 27. And I just looked it up just then, and I think the average PGA Tour winner is 33 years old. So he still has, seems like a fair couple of years to actually advance his skill and maybe win the Masters. Yeah, that's for certain. That's for certain. I mean, he's kind of got, he's got, he's got the same name as the NRL champ, Cameron Smith from the Melbourne Storm. So, like, people might not have heard of him previously if you're not cluey with golf or anything like that. But he, he definitely, he did a great job over the weekend. And, uh, yeah, he even outplayed, like, previous champions, Bubba Watson. Um, there's the other guy, his name's Bryson DeChambeau. He's like, Golf's version of Happy Gilmore, let's say, modern Happy Gilmore. And he didn't have a, a really good tournament either. Um, he outplayed Tiger Woods, which is saying a lot as well. Last year, he won the Masters, so it's big, big tournament he had. So really, yeah, great achievement, I'd say. Okay, uh, we're going to get straight into uh, a song now. Uh, you're going to be listening to percussive groove band called Ozkuma Beats with their song Yelena. With your host Finn, Kendra and Luca here on Sin. You'll to the sports test this Wednesday morning. That was Yelena by Ozkuma Beats. Now we are going into talking about our weird wacky sports. We started this on last week's episode and we thought we would continue it. So to start off with going to talk about the Lumberjack World Championships. So they say that the world cha- the Lumberjack World Championships, whether you're male or female, you automatically earn a man card for life. Guys, what do you think on the Lumberjack World Championships? Yeah, that seems impressive stuff. I, I probably, I'm not accustomed to doing that sort of, let's say, work. So it would take a lot of training and lead up to even yes. begin to think about doing that stuff. It involves a lot of wood chopping, soaring and climbing trees. So I think it's quite a dangerous sport. I don't know about you guys. What do you think, Finn? It reminds me kind of of the Melbourne show where they have all the lumberjacks and it's like the, um, the timed wood chopping. I'm not sure if you guys have ever seen that. Yes, yeah, from the yeah. show, yeah. Yeah, no, nah, definitely would. I think um, the the championships are held at a oh, there is a separate world champions, but they are at the Melbourne Show all the time, and it's I really enjoy seeing that because I find it really funny how much they, I guess, how into it they get in chopping the wood. It takes quite a lot of, I guess, almost aggression to, I guess, do this sort of sport. Yeah, it looks like they have to put their whole body weight behind it, especially when they're like on top of the log and have to swing down. It, it'd be like a double balancing act as well. What uh, what weird and wacky sport have you found this week, Finn? Um, it's probably not the weirdest sport I've ever seen, but it's called Gaga, and I definitely remember playing it at camps and such, and that's kind of why I chose it. But it's basically like an 
an octa octagonal ring, kind of like a UFC ring, just without the cages. And there's a bunch of people within the circle with like a smallish ball, maybe like between a soccer ball and a and a tennis ball. And the goal is to hit the other people with the ball, and so it hits like below your knee or your legs or maybe even like yeah, just below the waist. And um, it's it's pretty pretty interesting because it is a mix of soccer, a mix of handball, and a mix of yeah, just a lot of things. Just desperately trying to get everyone else out. Well, wow, that sounds <laughs> sounds really complicated. I don't know about you, Kendra, but. Uh... I don't think that's another sport I would try. <laughs> no, I think it, yeah, it definitely sounds a little too complex. Don't know how I'd go in something like that. <laughs> All right, maybe I explained it terribly, but it's not actually that complex. You just, it's just people in a circle trying to whack each other with a ball. I think that's as simple as I can put All it. Right. That, oh, no, that we, just sounds dangerous then. Yeah. As <laughs> I got free for all. <laughs> Is it sort of like dodgeball kind of vibes? Yeah, definitely. Oh, uh, well, I think a lot of injuries would happen in that sport. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think the ball's too big, though, so I don't think people would get hurt as much as, say, yeah. And you don't really tackle anyone, so it's not, yeah, it's not like footy or rugby or anything. Right. So wait, how, how, how do you win again? How do you win again? Gaga. Basically, you're the last one standing, so the last one doesn't get hit. Right, right. There we go. There we go. Sport I've got this week, guys. Uh, it's called setback tackle. It's played in Southeast Asia, so I think Thailand is very prominent for playing setback tackle. Uh, it's a think of like badminton or volleyball. It's played on that kind of sort size court. Uh, you've got teams of three, uh, and they're trying to get to 21 points without touching the ball with their hands or arms. So they have to like hit the ball over with uh, either their feet, knees, whatever, head, um, but they can't yeah, touch the ball with their hands and arms. And it's, it's like a, almost acrobatic martial arts kind of mixture of these disciplines with yeah, the skill of maybe freestyle juggling as well. Uh, very dynamic sport. And uh, yeah, <laughs> a lot of flipping. Definitely a lot of flipping there. Yeah, it definitely reminds me, it looks a lot like, yeah, just volleyball and kind of that um, that game that they kind of play on table tennis tables with like a, a soccer ball, uh, tech ball, I think it's called. And it reminds me a lot of that, kind of like what you'd play your training at soccer. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty intense. Uh, I would give it a go, but I feel like after five minutes, I'm just exhausted. <laughs> and they draw a pretty big crowd from the what images we're seeing here. Uh, very popular sport in Southeast Asia. Yeah, it looks like you have to be super athletic to play. Lots of flipping. It looks like. Mm, yeah. This is one of these sports that you'd almost like, I think you could do well if you came from, I guess, a gymnastic sort of background and soccer. Yeah. I reckon that would be the best combination to take part in this sport because by the way the guy's kicking the ball, it looks like he's just going to fall straight on his back. Yeah, like how, how is he going to land? Like, oh, it's crazy stuff. He's gotten like horizontal. Like a scissor kick, yeah. Yeah. 
maybe <laughs> I, maybe the floor's like that squishy squishy floor like it kind of looks like it would be so maybe they do just like just slam on the floor a lot oh yeah yes, it does look like yes trampoline yeah. kind of and it looks like the ball's pretty solid as well because the two guys jumping trying to block the ball are both facing the wrong way obviously don't want to get hit in the face yeah interesting tactics there interesting tactics uh, so yeah, be sure to check out um, all the sports we've mentioned today. Uh, Setback Raw, Gaga, and uh, the Lumberjack Championships. If you've got any time this week, check those out. Um, before then, uh, we're going to get to a quick song as well. Uh, this is Cut Ties with their song, Where's My Life? You're with Finn, Kendra, and Luca this Wednesday morning here on the Sports Desk. You're listening to the Sports Desk on Sin with Finn, Luca, and Kendra. And now it's been a slow week for sports, but a super exciting week for F1 and MotoGP with the championship being won by Lewis Hamilton in uh, Turkey this week. Super, super exciting, unpredictable race because of the rain. What did you think, Luca? Yeah, uh... It was an incredible race to watch. I think it was definitely the race of the year so far. Uh, they uh, recently resurfaced the track at Intercity Park there in Istanbul. And all of the drivers were complaining of a lack of grip. It was like driving on ice, like Danny Ricardo said. Um, and no one, none of the drivers had experienced this level of grip before. We had Lance Stroll from Racing Point uh, getting in pole position. Uh, it was his first pole and he's the third Canadian to do it after both Gilles Villeneuve and Jacques Villeneuve. And he's the fifth youngest pole sitter as well. But the race itself, that was a whole another thing. Uh, they started on wet tyres and then gradually transitioned to intermediate tyres. But yeah, heaps of overtaking spins. Valtteri Bottas spin, he had a horrible race. Yeah, it was terrible. He, he spun like six or seven times. And I think it's because he had a broken foot plate, I think, and they didn't realize. And I think that was the reason he spanned so much. I was reading afterwards. But, um, yeah, he got unlucky at the start. Esteban Ocon also spun out at the start. He recovered a lot better. But, um, yeah, with Lewis Hamilton winning because Bottas needed to um, come first, I think, to ensure that Lewis Hamilton didn't win the the championship but obviously that didn't happen i think he placed 16 so lewis hamilton is the 2020 formula one champion yep it's his seventh world title ah equaling michael schumacher there were emotional scenes down in park for me after the race um you also had sergio perez from racing point who's up there he's out of a drive for next year he finished second very close finish uh, you had the two Ferraris, both Sebastian Vettel, Charles Leclerc, almost taking Leclerc past him, turn nine on the last lap, and then locked up going into the third last corner and dropped from second to fourth. Sergio Perez, Vettel came in third. Vettel's first paradigm of the season. Uh, very happy to be there. Leclerc was irate on the radio, could inconsolable pretty much, but happy to see Vettel up there back on the podium. Yeah, he was like to see all those three drivers to share the podium at that moment with with Hamilton. Even Vettel was given up to like one of the best of his era, he said about Hamilton. So it's good to see. Yeah, it was very exciting to see Vettel on the podium, definitely. After he's had such a terrible season, 
so far, and really Ferrari have had not a great season overall. It looks like they're finally gaining some traction, at least. And yeah, um, yeah maybe Seb can keep placing in that top five area. Uh, I want to just add, uh, what, what did you think of like Max Verstappen's race at all? He, he, he did have two spins. Um, he was fighting for those podium places, almost trying to get for the lead as well. Do you think he, he in some ways was a bit too impatient and lost the race? Definitely. I think he definitely, it was his fault. He spun out that, uh, I think he definitely was trying to do too much too soon. And he also did a call where he didn't want to go into the, onto the interim, uh, tires, which I think helped him in the end. Um, but ultimately I don't think it was the right move to be called, um, because he was losing so much time. And I think, yeah, he definitely ruined his own race for himself. And I feel like if all the drivers, I feel like, um, made some mistakes throughout the race. But I think, yeah, he's definitely cost him more than most. Yeah, Lewis Lewis Hamilton was adamant uh, not to pit more than once, let's say. So he his intermediate tyres were balding and there were like almost 30 tyres over. And the team was saying, oh, you should pit. Pit and he said, No, I'll probably like crash into the barriers in the pit lane. So he didn't want to repeat of China 2007. Uh, so yeah, he stayed out. The bold tires became slick tires in the end. The like middle groove disappeared, and yeah, he, had a, he ended up having a 30 second lead by the end of the race from, from Sergio Perez, finished second, the second biggest win of his career. Yeah, which is crazy to think about considering where he, he couldn't get. I watched the first half of the race and went to bed, but um, it seems like he couldn't get past Vettel no matter what, and he was really, really struggling. So it was a real, a real change from the first half of the race to the second half, definitely. Yeah, that those battle, the battle with Hamilton Vettel, that was really good to see again. Let's say I missed, I missed seeing that heavy titans of the sport go head to head. But yeah, he didn't rush it either. He could have easily put in a move. Down going into like turn 11, turn 12. And he's like, no, I'll, I've got the championship to think about. I'll be patient. Let the race come to me. And that's what happened. He won the race like that. Easy managed. Uh, but moving on to MotoGP, uh, we've got a new world champion. His name's Joan Mia, 23 year old uh, for Suzuki Extra MotoGP team. He finished seventh. The race was won by Franco Morbidelli with Australia's Jack Miller coming second. Great last lap battle. There, if you're not a fan of MotoGP, get on it. It's a great racing uh, category. But yeah, uh, new world champion in Joanne Mir. Um, he is the, I think, sixth Suzuki champion. They haven't won a championship in, in 20 years since Kenny Robbins Jr. in 2000. And he did, it, he did it with consistency. He's only won one race out of the 13, but he's been on the podium, I'd say, at least seven or eight times throughout the season. Uh, only crashed twice. And since, since there's no Marc Marquez, Joan Mia stepped up to the plate and took the title, and he thoroughly deserved it. All right, we're going to quickly go to a song before we wrap up the show. Uh, you're going to be listening to Molly Payton, Going Heavy is the song title. You're listening to Sports Desk here on Sin this Wednesday morning with Finn, Kendra, and Luca. You would have just heard a song from Molly Payton, Going Heavy. Uh, you're with your hosts, Finn, Kendra, and Luca. It's that time again where we close out the show here on Sin with uh, the Sports Desk this Wednesday morning. Be sure to check out our socials on uh, Sports Desk Sin 
uh, at Facebook and Instagram. Um, go to omni.w, cm.w, check out our podcasted versions of the show. Uh, we've got plenty of things to talk about this upcoming month as well. Uh, and yeah, we're on Tuesday mornings, Wednesday mornings, Friday mornings, 9 a.m. here on scene. Uh, the next song you're going to hear is Lover Part. Be sure to tune in next week. See ya. <laughs>